This is KMTT, the weekly share on Agadot Chedek, and this is Ezra Bek. Uh, the last time we were discussing on Daftadibet Amud Aleph in Sechet Sanhedrin, a list of Ma'amarim of Rabbi Lazar, that basically were in favor of Da'at, of Da'a. And my basic point, uh, I want to repeat it because it'll help us understand what we're going to do this week. My basic point was that the Gemara was saying is that Da'at, Wisdom, I guess would be the best translation in this context, is not something which uh, God creates and gives you, but it is, so to speak, from God Himself. I mentioned the language of the Tefillah, uh, and both the the the, the noun, the verb lachun uh, means to give of oneself, and especially explicitly it says meitcha. You should give of yourself. Da'at binava haskel. Now, as I explained, a number of medrashim which we talked about last week, and now we're going to continue in two medrashim which I mentioned in the end of the um, shiur last time, which I don't really understand. I'm not going to claim I understand them any better this week either, but uh, at least we'll try to comment on them. Very, very difficult um, language used in this midrash. The statements of Abulaza, the same, the same person, the man who is Baal Hadea, he's uh, he's responsible for all these statements about Da'at and Da'a. Um, but these statements. Literally speaking, I think are impossible to accept. And the idea behind them, I'll try to explain, uh, and we'll have to somehow deal with the consequences. Amar Abelaza. It's the second wide line on Daftadibet Amud Aleph. Ve Amar Abelazar. Kol Adam She'ein Bodea Asur Lerachem Alav. All the previous statements had been about positive things about Deah. The very last one was, Kol Adam Sheyesh Bo Deah Lasof Mit Asher. But as I said, if you have Deah, you will eventually become rich. That's what he said. We tried to explain that. But now he switched over to the negative comments. Amar Abadaz, Kol Adam Sheyin Bo Deah, he who has no wisdom, Asur Lerachem Alav. It is forbidden to have mercy for him. He quotes a pasuk which states, Yishayahu Nevi said about Amisel, it is not a nation of uh, understanding, and therefore, the pasuk really is very explicit, therefore, his maker will have no mercy for him, and his designer will not, lo yichunenu, the verb that we've noticed is the verb of de'ah, will not be gracious towards him. So it says that God will not have mercy on someone, on some entity, because he lacks intelligence. And therefore, Rabbi Lazar derived, we should be like God. It's asur, it's forbidden to have mercy on someone who has no de'ah. So literally, literally, you know, taking, I think we should ignore this mama. In other words, if, if somebody would take this as a recommendation, someone knocks on your door and asks for mercy, asks for help, asks for tzedakah, and you realize that he's a person without intelligence, without de'a, he's an idiot. So you shouldn't have mercy on him, you shouldn't help him out. I mean, that's why he needs mercy, because he's an idiot. And that itself is to be a cause of mercy. Is it possible that we're supposed to be cruel to people who lack de'a? So Halacha the Maisa, I would say that the statement is referring to Misha Ein Lo Deaklau, and there's nobody like that. Someone who's a total idiot. I know that each one of you can think of somebody who meets that criteria, but Rabbi is basically trying to express an idea here, and therefore he used the total negative. Kol Adam Sheein Bo Deah. But still, I want to understand the statement. 
In other words, what's the connection? Why should there be no Rachmanis for someone, no mercy? For someone who uh, who has no understanding, no intelligence, no wisdom. So I think the answer is that first of all, even in the literal understanding of the statement, Rabbi Leza was not saying that you shouldn't help him. He was saying you shouldn't have Rachmanut for him. And anyway, I think we have to understand the way Chazal perceived the trait of Rachmanut. It's been noted by many commentators that the verb Lerachem to pity uh, is cognate to the noun Rechem, which is the womb. And they've explained that L'Rachem basically means to identify with. It's, it's the connection, the, the organic connection that a mother has with a child. I'm not sure in modern English we would call that pity. We would call it love. And uh, frankly, in Aramaic, to love, the verb L'Rachem is used for, is used for love. And it means to feel for. It's not the love of a man for a wife. It's the love of someone who can help somebody else, needs to help somebody else, that someone else really needs your help. It's the, it's the love of the mother for the helpless child, for the suckling babe. The aim is to provide for out of the identification that comes from the fact that you were the womb for this, for this individual. And if we understand that, then I think what Rabbi Daza is saying here is in fact the converse of what we explained in the, in the previous time that we spoke. That is, is the image of God in somebody. If I see a, um, a helpless animal, I'm enjoined by halacha and by common ethics and by human common sense to do something about it, to help the animal out. I don't think Chazal would call that Rachmanut. Because we don't have the relationship, the level, maybe we shouldn't have, the relationship of, of identification with an animal. Rachmanut between people comes about because even if you weren't this other person's mother, you weren't the womb, but you share a certain destiny, a certain oneness. In some sense, you were once one, and you're still one, the way a mother is one, organically, biologically, with her offspring. And the oneness of people is the dot. It's not that we share certain genes, which are similar or identical. But the oneness of, pe- of people is that we human beings is that we participate in Da'at Elyon. And that's why the Pasuk brought here is not merely an example and a very motivational example of why God has no Rachmanut on those who have no Da'at. With God having no Rachmanut, if he was no Da'at, it makes sense. Because Da'at is what is common in some sense between man and God. Man's dot is his participation in, 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 in God's life, in God's beneficence, in, in God's dot. 
as we saw in the past. It's the presence of God within him. Since God, a person carries God in this world by being a bardat. And therefore God has rachmanut for him. Someone who is not fulfilling that role, it's not just that God is angry at him. He's not fulfilling the role and therefore he's, he deserves to be punished. No, 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 no. He actually deserves to be pitied in some sense. But there's no basis for rachmanut. That, or to put it metaphysically, poetically, that is the rechem from which human beings come from God. If God is the mother, then that is the rechem. And therefore there is rachmanut. And that's why the Pasuk is exactly saying this point. There is no chanina. There is no common connection. There is nothing flowing from God Himself filling this human being. And therefore, Abba says we should have a chamanat either because he's extending that idea that in fact the common, the commonality of identification between human beings is that they share in dat elion, they share in wisdom and knowledge and the understanding of the truth. Someone who has no understanding of the truth, there's not, that commonality no longer exists. And therefore, maybe you should help him. I think you should help him. Of course you should help him. But you can't be moved internally. You should not be moved internally in those motherly feelings, those maternal feelings that connect all wise human beings. I should point out that the Rambab, in the moment of Uchim, who has, has the ideology that Seichel, intelligence, which is similar, maybe the same thing as the dad that we're speaking of, the intelligence is what marks human being, and therefore those who do not have intelligence, those who are totally divorced from the truth, he's referring to heretics, so we're not responsible and we don't care about their lives. So he states in uh, in the eighteenth uh, parak of the third uh, of the third uh, section of the Mer Nevuchim. Um, I'm saying I think a lot less than that. I'm really saying it. Halacha Damaisi is really recommending it, and it's based on the fact that you're just an animal if you have no intelligence. Um, I'm making a slightly different point. I'm saying that Rachmanut is something which relates to not so much to intelligence, but to intelligence used to understand to understand the truth. And Babalazar isn't saying that we shouldn't help them, he's saying something about he's basically saying something about that. And by making a extreme, dramatic and uh, somewhat shocking statement about what the lack of that in a person would uh, imply about our relationship with him, he's basically saying how, how important that is. This is all very nice, I think, until we read the next statement of Allah. And there I more or less have to throw my hands up because it definitely sounds as being not about emotions, but about actions. If for the minute ago I said, of course I would help this person, I just wouldn't feel Ahmanit from him. But Allah says, no. He who gives, he who shares his bread with someone who has no dot. Yisurin ba'in alav. Clearly that means uh, uh, suffering comes about to the sharer, to he who shared his bed with the man she'en bodat. Yisurin ba'in alav. And she'ne'emar, lachmecha yasimu mazor tachtecha, ein tevunabo, ve'ein mazor ela yisurin. 
if you give your bread to he who has no tivuna, then the bread will, in its place, will come suffering. Um, Mazor in Pshat would probably mean the opposite. It would mean health. But here the Gemara says that the word Mazor means suffering. So this statement, literally taken, is a course of action. It's basically saying one is not, it doesn't say you're not permitted. It just says it's very dangerous to do so. You're not permitted to actually help him. It's, it's, you should not give bread. You should not help out. You should not give sustenance to someone. And again, my, my understanding of this mama is that it's a deliberate exaggeration, which I don't think should be followed. But it's basically saying that uh, if a person has no de'a, then there's no basis for trying to help him. I would add that this might have something to do with the nature of the phrase noten pito. It doesn't say lo ozer. It doesn't say doesn't give you don't give money. It does not to give pat. Pat means bread. Um, and Chazal have an attitude towards bread, as uh, you will recall. The pasuk kilo lechem levado yichiyadam kiyau kol motzapi Hashem diber adam. Bread, the staff of life, is the material parallel to that. To the teachings of God. And, and people might be divided into one of two classes. Those who, whose life depends on their being connected to Motsafi Hashem, to the, the utterances of God's mouth. And those whose life depends on, on Gashmir, on Pat. Pat represents the, the opposite of, of Motsafi Hashem. So that might have something to do with what's being said. You're giving Pat. So you as no day are, then you're in fact encouraging his um, divorce, his detachment from the true basis of, of life. The Ma'asha adds two points which, uh, which might help us to understand both of these Ma'amarim. One is that he says that Adam She'en Bodat is different than everything else. Uh, it says, Rachamav al kol masav. God has mercy for everything He's created. But Adam Shein Bodat is actually less than that. Why? Because He was created with that and He spurned it. In other words, He's less, not than He should be, He's less than He is. He's less than He was made. Man was created to be Bedat. And, uh, so that's someone who has His Shchit called Dako. He's, He's decayed. He's, He's degenerate. As opposed to ants. He's not just a fool. Like, cows are stupid. But a human being who is Unintelligent, who 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 has divorced himself from wisdom, is 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 less than a cow. That's one point he makes. Second point he makes has goes back to the word pat in the second mama, and I think this might this might be true. Uh, I said that pat is a symbol for the uh, parallel and opposite of Motsafi Hashem of of God's wisdom. But uh, Masha points out that pat is also the symbol for Chazal of humanly developed bread. In other words, animals eat wheat. But humans eat bread. Uh, it's based on a Mama uh, Chazal, a story that when God said to Adam Arishon, uh, you will, from now after you leave Gan Eden, you're going to have to work hard. You'll only be able to eat by the sweat of your brow. Uh, so Adam said to God, uh, what? Is, it, is that my destiny that I and my mule will eat the same thing? And then God said, 
the uh, the mule eats wheat, raw wheat, natural wheat. Whereas the human being eats bread. And the difference being is that human beings uh, are able through their intelligence to improve, to make something better with the world. The famous story of Rabbi Akiva and Tunis Rufus, which is also based on the same idea. Tunis Rufus, the Roman uh, procurator, objected to the practice of circumcision and said, why are you ruining God's work? What's, what's better, God's work or man's work? You should respect natu- the natural state of things. And uh, Rabbi Akiva said to him, well, what's better, wheat or bread? He said, of course, bread. He says, well, why don't you respect the natural state of things? Meaning we're placed in the world to improve it. And bread is the symbol of human improvement, artifice and, and, and improvement. Misha ain't bodat. So don't give him bread. You should feed him like an animal. Give him raw fruits. Give him raw wheat. But don't give him bread because bread is the symbol of how human intelligence and wisdom has improved the world. Okay, I still find these two mamarim a little bit difficult, but I think the idea implicit in them is, uh, is, is understandable. One more negative statement of Rabbi Lazar. He hasn't finished yet. He who has no day'ah will go into exile. This we understood the way we understood uh, the previous Mamarim from last week. And I think this one doesn't present any difficulty. Uh, he who has da'at will be eventually be rich. The reason I explained this is not because Chazal are promising money to people who do mitzvot. But... That is the presence of God in your life. And therefore, yes, Chazal really believe that the presence of God is the presence of Baracha. So this says the opposite. Uh, we already saw two weeks ago that uh, there's a connection between Da'at and Mikdash. They're both Bein Shdei Shemot. They're both found between the names of God because they both represent God in the world. And so therefore, he has no Da'at. is also Golemi Eretz Yisrael, from the land of God's presence. Uh, because he, he can't bear God's presence. God's presence in human beings is that. God's presence in the world is Mikdash, is Shechina Beretz Israel. And therefore, just as one who has that is therefore a receptacle, is therefore a basis for Shechina Ba'olam, for the presence of God in the world, so who has no that is the opposite. The opposite means that you don't belong in Eretz Israel, which is the place where God, where God, where God is found. Okay. New, um, somewhat new topic. We're still dealing with Rabbi Laza. Uh, the Gemara has a habit sometimes of with a number of mamarim by a particular person of being more because his name is mentioned. Even though this one, the topic is is somewhat similar. Bama Rabbi Laza. Called by it, she'en divrei Torah nishma'im bo balayla eish ochlato. She'ne'emar kol choshech tamun litzfunav tochleyu eish lo nupach. A house in which Torah is not heard at night will be devoured by fire. As the Pasuk says, It's understanding of Chazal of this Pasuk in Eov is it's dark because something is hidden and because I understand that the hidden thing is Torah. Torah is not present in the house. It will be devoured by fire, not um, bellowed. Rashi here uh, adds something not stated explicitly in the Gemara. 
but the pasuk says tochreu eish lo nupach be devoured by fire, which has not been produced by air, not produced by bellow. Rashi says, what fire is that? Zeu eisho shel gehenom she'ain tzarich nipuach. You don't have to blow on the fire of gehenom; it produces itself. So that sort of changes the mama. It's not saying a house will burn down. It says that you're going to go to Gehenna. You're going to be punished in the next world. And the question is, what's the connection? In other words, it's not saying if you did an Aveva, you're punished. A house in which Divei Torah are not heard at night, Eish Ochlato. It doesn't talk about the person, but about the house. It refers to the tent, or the Roshan Chazar on the house. It doesn't say a person who doesn't learn will die or be punished. It says, a house in which Torah is not present at night, Eish Ochlato. This changes the context. Context isn't talking about mitzvot. It's talking about the role of Torah. I could have said that, but we're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about Torah now. The role of Torah in the world. Torah is the light of the world. So every Jew has to learn Torah. And it's good to learn Torah. But there's another role being spoken of here. And that is that when night falls, there is no light. The light of the world, you don't exactly see it by the day because it's obscured by the light of the sun, but at night we really see that the only light left is is Torah. A house without Torah at night is a house without without light. And therefore, midah keneged midah. It's, a, it's, it's therefore, it's, it'll be burnt by the other fire. But she says, Eishel, Eishel Gehenom. If you don't light your own fire, so to speak, you'll be devoured by the by the other fire. So the, the Mamar is not particularly instructive. I think we all understood this to our own. Um, but it's very, very dramatic and very, very um, clear what Raza is saying. And it does change the perspective. Sometimes I think we forget this perspective, even though the other Mamarim of Chazal would stress it. That a person is supposed to learn Torah, is supposed to learn Mitzvot, you should daven, you should learn Torah, you should put on tefillin, you should keep kosher, you should keep, you should keep Shabbat. That's between me and God. There's also an objective role. A person's house should be a place of Torah. This is stated even more explicitly in the next mama of Abulaza. We're still talking about Abulaza. Kol she'eno mehane talmidei chachamim inchasav eno roe siman bracha leolam. A person who does not provide for talmidei chachamim from his possessions, in other words, he doesn't give tzedakah to Torah institutions or to Torah individuals, will never have any bracha he will never have any success in his lifetime. Shinemar Ain Sarid Lochlo Alkain Lo Yachil Tuvo. It's the same parak in uh in Eov, I think it's an earlier Pasuk. Eov the twentieth parak. Ain Savid Lochlo Alkain Lo Yachil Tuvo. Ain Savid Ela Tamadecha Khamim. So Ain Savid Lochlo, they interpret to mean you don't feed the sridim, sridim asher Hashem korei, which is a tumid chachamim, those who were left over, a few. Lo yachil tuvo, you can't, you, you, you will not have any success. Um, here it's clearly not talking about the midst of learning Torah. You don't learn Torah. You can't learn Torah perhaps. But Torah I think in the previous Mama as well, you don't even have to learn Torah. Torah should be heard in your house. Here he's saying, you don't learn Torah for one reason or another, 
but you can support Torah. And if you don't support Torah, there'll be, you don't use your money to help others, your money won't serve you either. There's the obvious midah, keneged midah, the ethical parallel. If you, if you keep your money for yourself because you don't want to help others, in this case, you won't benefit from it. You won't have any success. Lo, You have a lot of money, but it won't, it won't be successful for you. The specific idea is similar to what we said about that. The Torah is the success. In other words, a life that has no connection to Torah, even a, 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 um, indirect connection to Torah. You can either learn, you know the story of Zvulun and Yisachim Zvulun, you can either learn yourself or you can share in Torah by paying for someone else to learn. But if you have no connection to Torah, then there's no bracha, because Torah, we think that bracha comes from the sun, comes from the water, comes from the land. We think light comes from the sun. That's not true. Torah is the light in the dark. Torah is the light in the day. And Torah is the makor ha-beracha. Lo ala lechem levado adam, ki al kol motzafi Hashem adam. Not on bread alone does a man live, but on the word of God. The word of God is literally Torah. So what the mama is saying is that Aside from the fact that you're not learning Torah and you might have a good excuse, you might not. But if your money, if the gashmiot, if the material goods that you own don't support the spiritual essence of life, then what do they support? That's what they're here for. Don't expect that your money will support a successful lifestyle if it doesn't support Torah. The relationship of material to spiritual so that the material supports the spiritual. It's not divorced from it. It's not antithetical to it. It's not a Jewish idea. It's meant to support it. If it doesn't serve that purpose, then what purpose does it serve? Definitely not Siman siman Bacha. Finally, one more statement of Rebbe Totally not connected. We're just running his name now through our computer to find everything else he says. Amar Abelazar, Kol she'eno mishayer pat al shulchano, eno ro'es siman bracha la'olam. This is actually quoted lahalacha. He who does not leave some bread on his table will not have any success. Eno ro'es siman bracha la'olam. She'nemar, same pasuk. Ein sarid lo'ochlo, al ken lo yachiv tuvo. Here it's not leaning the word savid to mean tamit uh, but to mean literally what's left over. He who doesn't leave over from his food, alken lo yachil So this is simply a mystery. What? Why should people leave when you eat? Why should you also leave over some food? Rashi says, "Kol she'eno mishayer ptitin." He has an extra word not found in our Gemara. He who doesn't leave. Um, Crumbs. Rashi says the tzarich l'shayer. It's you're, you're supposed to leave over. K'dichtev achol v'hotel. So he quotes a uh, pasuk that says that when they ate, they also left over. The very next ma'amavulazer is a continuation of the same one. The positive side. He who doesn't leave 
will have no brachat. And he who does leave, um, it's a question. He spoke against it. He who leaves pieces of bread on his table, it's as though he were worshipping idols. Gemara gives a totally uncompensable answer. If when you leave over the crumbs, the, the, the broken pieces of bread, the ptitim, you also have a, a whole loaf, so that's also, that appears to be about that zara. That's what Rashi says. Why are you doing it? It's some ritual. Some idolatrous ritual. But if you only leave over the um, the pieces of bread, you don't have a whole a whole loaf, that's commendable. And uh, if you don't do that, Okay, so very mysterious ma'amah to begin with and very, very mysterious explanation, the vision that the Gemara makes between having a whole one and not having a whole one. Rashi says, if you have a whole one, it sounds more ritualistic. Sounds much incredible. Um, I think that you should notice it doesn't say it, it's not talking about a bodhisattva. If you're actually doing an idolatrous uh, ritual, <laughs> then you're not paying bodhisattva. You know, that, that's not ke'ilu by the bodhisattva. Then you are paying the bodhisattva. What's the ke'ilu here? So the Mefashim say that the reason why. Um, the, uh, Rashi says that the basic commendable action here was that you shouldn't eat everything. You should leave over so that you can feed poor people. So, it still seems very, very strange. In other words, you should feed poor people. After all, he says you should leave over Pieces of bread on the table. This is quoted in the Shulchan Aruch. Doesn't mean forever. I mean, you should always have bread lying around on your table, or it would just be stale. So the way that I postman understood this is that when you finish eating, you should have something left over, and then you bench, and then you clean up the table when you get rid of it. So it's a symbolic act. It's not that you should also feed. But you should feed poor, poor people, but this is sort of a symbolic act. So. I think what it means is if we eat everything, as we only let's put it the negative, we only prepare enough food to feed ourselves, then we're rejecting sharing. The truth is, I don't expect anybody to come to my house exactly at the end of the meal and eat my leftovers. I'm not even sure it's commendable that I only feed him the leftovers. But the idea is that we shouldn't be planning on feeding only ourselves. In other words, we have a certain amount of money, we make a living, and it's exactly enough to provide for me what I wanted to provide. That's no good. Remember what I said about the previous, the previous ma'amah. The physical world, the material world, is meant to support there was Torah. And if it doesn't, then it won't support you either. 
In other words, the material world does support me, but that's not its purpose. So I have to show that I recognize that the material world is supposed to support Torah. Here it's saying the same thing, not about Torah. The material, my material world is not meant only to support me. The material world now is being put in service, not in service of Torah, not say the spiritual world, but it's being put in the service of the klal, of the public, of others, of sharing. If your material world only supports you, then it's not worthy of supporting you. The same words, siman If in advance, when I prepare the meal, how does it wind out that I have crumbs left over bread at the end of the meal? It's because in advance I prepared more than I needed. So if in advance I understand that I am working, I'm preparing, I'm baking bread or working at my job, but it's not only for myself. It will also be when the need arises for others, then it can also be for myself. Then I will see siman bracha, then I will benefit from it. But if the only reason why I bake a loaf of bread is to feed myself, then it won't even be sufficient to feed myself. And so the opposite statement, which doesn't appear to be connected, that said that it's ki'ilu oved zara, the ika shleima bahadei, is saying, it's not just, as Rashi says, well, it looks like a bodazara. I, I think it's more than that. It's, it's, you're serving a false ideal. If you have a whole loaf of bread, which is, you bring it to the table when you finish, and next to that you have broken pieces of bread, then we're not sh- taking the, the whole and dedicating it to two goals. It'll serve others and myself as well. And I'm saying, my bread is for me. And for some strange reason, maybe even a form of generosity, I also bake another piece of bread and put it on the table. So then you have two different goals. Why is it like about Azara? Because on the one hand, you're serving yourself. On the other hand, you're also baking bread for others. And Rabbi Azara wants it to be one goal that in order to justify taking care of myself, I say, I'm not taking care of myself. The work I've done is for all of us together. So it's symbolized. I mean, Allah, you can make two loaves of bread in the, in, the, in the oven as well. But the idea is that the one loaf of bread that I made wasn't only for me. So then it's about that Hashem. Then it's a Siman Bacha. But if you do sort of as a famous line found in a non, uh, non-Jewish book, that says you should render unto Caesar his due and render unto God his due. So I bake one loaf for myself and one loaf for others. Then what I do for myself is in no way invested, in no way part of what I do for others. But by that also it would be, you know, there's no reason why that loaf of bread should be blessed. And in the language of Abodazara, meaning it's a ke'ilu, it's just a metaphor. It's just a, it's similar, what's been similar? It's, it reminds us of Abodazara in what sense? You're serving two gods. Abodazara is serving two gods. And this is, he's dividing his life into two different parts. Half a day I work for myself. Half a day I do mitzvot. Half a day I help other people. Half a day I do, I do. It somehow has to be together. You have to unify the two. That we, that we construct the material world and we divide it is because it's dedicated to the one goal of helping everybody.
just as previously, it was dedicated to the one goal of helping also Tamidei Chachamim, also serving Torah, my Torah, and other people's Torah. But if you separate your life into two areas, part for me and part for others, and the part for others is like the dues you're paying to God, the dues you're paying to your ideals. And you think that that justifies you then being egotistical and selfish and material the rest of the time. Well, as it says, it's not. That's the attitude of Rabbi Dazara. Uh, we actually haven't finished Rabbi Lazar's uh, statements. He still has a few more to go. And, but we're going to quit now because our time is up. And we'll be back with Zat Hashem next week. Call to.